Uh, hi, everybody. Welcome to White Lotus Radio, a podcast all about the legend of Korra. Uh, 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 uh. My name is Allison Coffey. Um, know my own name. Uh, and my co-host is Nora Blake. That's me. That's her. Um, this week on the show, talking about the first two episodes of season four, which are titled, uh, Allie Burps. And Nora Alone. (laughs) It's after all these years and Cora Alone. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, um, for, well. For me, because I paid attention to like episode titles a lot, but mm-hmm. some people might not remember. Um, Zuko alone was an episode in oh, season right. two of The Last Airbender, and it was the one where Zuko does his whole like solo episode to go learn empathy, and he steals a chocobo. That might be the best episode of the first show. It's definitely top five. Yeah. Crossroads of Destiny is very good. Also in the top five is the episode where they go see a play recapping the show. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's like... That's top ten. Fa- that might be fan service-y and, and less like good. It, I love that because you don't need to have that episode anymore. But like back when Avatar was on television, they were probably acutely aware that many people had fallen off the show but would come back for the ending. <laughs> and so I love that, like, back then, that was an episode that they needed to put in the show. Um, I would also say the beach is good. The beach is good. Um, like, it feels cheap to say the finale, but there's some good stuff in there. It's really good. Personally, I like all of the different uh, buddy cop missions with Zuko in the in the third season mm-hmm. when they integrate Zuko into the into the group with like um, Aang and Zuko meet dragons or Katara and Zuko learn bloodbending. Yeah, I don't remember what Sokka does with Zuko. Maybe nothing. Maybe that was a bit. And he like I wanted to have my mission with Zuko. Um. I just watched The Great Divide, and that's like a solid episode. What? Huh? That's the worst episode of the show. It's solid. It's fine. No. (laughs) Katara is like wildly out of character in that episode. Yeah. I like... A thing I like about The Legend of... A thing I like about Avatar The Last Airbender that I... Called The Legend of Aang in Europe, yeah. just saying. Yeah. Um, that I don't like about The Legend of Korra is that Avatar can have an episode like The Great Divide, which is just nothing, like, plot is not advanced. Like, it's just a little story we tell real quick. But it's bad. Shrug emoji. <laughs> Ugh. Okay, fine. Apparently, Anna watched it without me, and I missed Jet, which is fucking bullshit. Your boyfriend. Yeah. I'll stop being negative. (laughs) I mean, like, my entire feelings about The Great Divide is like, oh, that episode was fine. Okay. (laughs) 
Oh, Tales of Bossing Say is really good. Tales from Bossing Say, uh, Zuko Alone, Beach, The Storm. I feel like season two is the best season, but maybe season three has like some of the best episodes. Hmm. I'm not 100% on that take. Early season two is a bit rough. There's the one episode where they explain what the Avatar state is and, like, use Katara as an object to make Aang yeah. angry. Yeah, that's how it starts. Mm-hmm. I just like, I like all the Bossing Say stuff so much. The Bossing Say arc is really strong. There should be a tournament arc in Avatar somewhere. It's called Pro Bending. And we got <laughs> it in, like, montage. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Pro Bending? Remember a thing that hasn't showed up ever again remember the coolest thing remember when i wrote a pro bending tabletop <laughs> <laughs> do you sell that one for money or no no i might repackage it as wizard sports and then sell it yeah there we go <laughs> <laughs> probably wise oh oh okay so season two starts with um the avatar state and then two lovers Apart from one another. That was a very important episode for me as a young girl uh, because they almost do a kiss. They almost do a kiss. I never, ever, if for even one second, understood the people who shipped Katara and Zuko. Yeah, I don't get it. I do not get it. Like, surprise. I didn't. I wasn't into Zutara. Big, big surprise coming from the person who hates Raylo. <laughs> hey, do you want to talk about these two episodes of the Legend of Korra? Because I feel like they are actually worth talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're co- you're totally fine. I was like, I'm running out of Avatar things to say. <laughs> so, like, listeners, you may remember that I really didn't like season three at all. I do remember that. It was last week. I don't think season three was very good. Um, Better than season two? I guess. I mean, you're right, but like, <laughs> I don't feel like it's so significantly better. <laughs> sure. But like, one of the things I said in the last episode is that like, one of the things you said was that like, the only stakes that fights ever have in this show is, like, physical positioning and who gets hurt. And, like, season four of Legend of Korra starts with some fight scenes where more is at stake than who gets hurt. And, like, (laughs) for the first time ever, we have dialogue scenes where two characters who we sympathize with are at cross-purposes. Mm-hmm. And not just in a love triangle. Right. We have ideological disagreements in this show that everybody tells me is about politics. Well, ideological disagreements meaning that Bolin's a fascist. Yeah, Bolin is a fascist now. Um, I'm really stretching the definition of the word sympathy there. If you recall, I don't think I ever liked Bolin. Yeah, fair. (laughs) (laughs) I like the, the Opal's brother in this episode, by which I mean he's kinda hot. God damn it. What did you expect me to say? (laughs) He's no Skrillex, but, you know. (laughs) Because one of the other brothers looked like Yeah, I remember. I remember. (laughs) Um, 
we have we have not in the ninth episode but in the first episode the villain stating her ideology and acting on it in ways that the viewer is uncomfortable with i don't know i don't know whether this is actually what kavira wants what i mean by that is that when Unalak or Amon or uh, Zahir says stuff, <laughs> it feels like they believe it. Mm-hmm. But Kavira feels like maybe she's bullshitting you. I would say I think she is an actual factual fascist mm-hmm. and that there are, there's probably like another layer to here that we haven't gotten to yet. Right. But she's definitely like a manipulator in a way that like, well, okay, Unalak was a manipulator a little bit. I was going to say no other villain has been. Unalak was a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah. But the show was kind of inept at that time. You also, you have a villain who is a fascist, but you have characters you like agreeing with her and like maybe trying to do the right thing, maybe, and so you can... She's a fascist, but you, like, understand why people are helping her because this is a show about the politics of fascism, and it's going to actually explain that rather than have her monologue in the 10th episode and expect that to cut it. Yeah. I just am worried about that, (laughs) about the thing you just said. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, she is she is still the villain, and they will probably take her down. It's just that they spent a lot of time on, like, well, you know, sometimes it really is the only option. I mean, you're totally right. I would argue that um, they were more spending time on, well, it really sucks, but she is, does have food and resources they need, and, like, she's strong-arming them into this, and it doesn't feel right. It feels like the thing they have to do to not die. Right. Which is how fascism often works. But that also feels like a justification to me. Okay. Okay. I, I definitely see where you're coming from. I don't I don't 100% agree, but I definitely like see understand the fear especially with like how this show has had a bad track record so far. Yeah, I'm 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 worried like episode 1 prediction time, like I'm worried that she's going to be too sympathetic and that we'll be like, you know, she had some good ideas. I mean, like, we're talking, we talked a bunch about how this show is like peak Obama era respectability, um, like neoliberalism stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, we saw how the real world just kind of was like, we saw how that played out in the real world. I just don't want it to be like, you know, yeah. at her heart, she was a good person. She might have right. done some, some nasty things along the way, but she really was trying to do good. Yeah. That's yeah, not we what will... I want from the fascist chapter of, of Legend of Korra. Big same. Big same. I'm holding out a little more hope, but I definitely understand. This is like, I haven't seen it yet. I've never seen this mm. season before. I haven't like seen it a long time ago and forgotten it. So mm-hmm. I don't know what to like expect here. I've totally forgotten in, like, in 2014, or I guess I watched this in 2015, had more like, obama hillary type politics so i really don't know yeah i'm trying to think of like what else this episode does that like is just better storytelling techniques than like the show has ever had they have a visual 
metaphor for a thing that is going on with Korra. Korra has a thing going on with her for once, mm-hmm. and they represent it visually in this animated show, which is like the cool thing about animated shows is that you can represent things visually. I hope I wish that that would stick around. Uh, I like yeah. I really liked the visual motif of having Avatar State Korra like lurking around separate from her body, especially since she can't enter the Avatar State at that time. Right. With a great big chain on her arm, too. Right. Straight from the fight with Zaheer. Yeah. Yeah, it's like pretty on the nose, but it's like effective, I feel like. Just, you know, taking notes for if I ever run a tabletop game in Legend of Korra. Mm. <laughs> um, taking a sip real quick. I took a sip too. <laughs> Got to stay hydrated for your podcasting. Yeah, especially when you talk for half an hour before recording. <laughs> <laughs> do we wanna? Do we wanna do a straight recap? I feel like I don't want to do a straight anything. Yeah, boy. I feel like I've talked about all the broad stroke stuff that i was most excited about i mean from... we don't have like yeah we can just talk about stuff we don't have to do a recap if we don't want to right and like i feel like i've now said the things i'm most excited about and i don't really feel a need to be like and then opal and kai lose the food you know i don't feel like i need to like tell plot beats mm-hmm. because this show has more than just a plot now <laughs> It has I, characters. I admit, when um, Korra wakes up mm-hmm. at the end of the second episode, I had a moment where I thought, are they going to bring back that one witch with the frogs from episode, from season one of Last <laughs> Airbender? Because that would be wild. <laughs> oh, you didn't know that Toph shows up? Oh my gosh, you I, didn't know Toph shows up. I knew that Toph shows up. I didn't know that she was Yoda. She's Yoda now. <laughs> It got me. It, like, maybe it's a cheap pop, but it got me. It got me, too. I feel like it It was getting me, and then you know what really got me? Twinkle Toes. Twinkle Toes. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about a thing, or rather wa- talk about why I can't talk about a thing. Okay. I don't have any history with disability, and so I can't really speak to the portrayal of that in this episode of the tv show i think it did a good job of hitting emotional beats and making the audience feel things but i i don't want to like i i feel out of place to talk about the portrayal of disability in this in this episode i feel like that's not my place to like discuss yeah because i'm not gonna do a bad a, a, a good job of it so it's um it feels really real to me because they tie Cora's disability into depression and anger mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way that I relate to real bad. And like, sometimes you say something really shitty to your doctor that you don't wish you hadn't said. Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes you think this is just what the rest of your life is. And that's not true, but you think it, you know, mm-hmm. while I was watching, I wasn't really connecting it to my own experiences, but, um, it got me emotional, and like as I think about it, it's like, yeah, that's kind of what my recovery has been like. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I don't, I haven't had to deal with stuff quite like Cora has, but yeah. 
Right. Um, and I, I really like that Katara doesn't just do healing water on her and suddenly she can walk again. The healing water gets her part of the way there and like a, mu- a lot of it is like getting Korra okay with her body again. And that's also feels very real. When um, I first had like my first surgery, like um, I met with my new doctor and like they brought in a counselor and we're like, hey, you're 16 <laughs> and you don't understand this. And if you would like to speak to a therapist about this or anything else, we have someone available to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the portrayal is not just physically this thing it is emotionally this thing and is mentally this thing it is like all consuming right um um, um, um. new haircut hell yes mulan motherfucker and i'm gay (laughs) i watched a buzzfeed video where they said you can't really do the mulan thing like they tried to get someone to do it and they just could not oh it's hard it's very hard but Cora does it good. But if you have a knife that's folded over a million times in the heart of a volcano. Exactly. I, I mean, she could also, like, firebend her hair off by, like, heating the knife and, like, snip, 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 snip. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just looking up pyrokinesis on the Star Wars wiki that exists. Are they drawing her eyes bluer now? I don't know. They really popped, and I couldn't tell if it was, like, the new outfit or, like, what it was. Queer Eye, but it's for Avatar. <laughs> it's it's five airbenders who go around the world. <laughs> You've got Kai who teaches you how to steal shit. You've got Opal teaching you shit stealing shit is wrong. If I like was a fan of that show, I could make some jokes here about Kai is obviously this person from the Queer Eye. <laughs> Kai is Bobby in that you never get enough Kai screen time and you never get enough Bobby screen time. <laughs> I don't know who's who. I've seen one episode of that show. I like that show. It seems okay. It's yeah. It's got it's a lot of problems. Um, it seems loud. It's very loud. Yeah. There is like a loud gayness in pop culture that that show very much reinforces. Um, my only worry is that like short episode because these two episodes are very good and they're good enough that I don't need to recap the show there's like things to talk about that are not just plot and like i feel satisfied with our conversation especially because this episode is planting seeds that i okay a concern i have is like episodes like five through eight like that is a historically bad stretch for this show (laughs) (laughs) and like they set up some really good stuff in the first two episodes so let's see if they can hold it together until like, I know 11, 12, 13 will be good, you know? This one has 14. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. Mm. Nora has never been wrong. I've listen, and definitely never wrong on this podcast. Never. Do you have any other things to say about this episode? Do you think we're going to talk about Dragon Prince? Uh, hmm. I think does Dragon Prince come out? It's soon, right? It's September. I think that Ruby will not take very long. Is what I think. Okay. 
Okay. Because, like, season one is, like, 45 minutes. Okay. Like, I think we'll get through that in, like, a month or two. And then we can, like, either transition to, like, talking about Dragon Prince with a weekly new Ruby update of, like, as the, the sixth season comes out. Mm-hmm. Or, like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever we choose to do. We can... I feel like okay. newbie is not a huge commitment. So here's another thing. Mm-hmm. I don't tell anybody I said this. I have not really been looking forward to Dragon Prince because I thought it was going to be more Legend of Korra stuff I didn't like. Mm-hmm. But there's two things I have learned. One is that it's not Mike and Brian on this show. It's um, Aaron Ahas right. and John Carlo Volpe mm-hmm. who are like, at least in my recollection, really fucking good. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that you didn't know that. I, I heard it was Legend of Korra, or I heard mm-hmm. it was Avatar people, and I right. assumed they'd called Mike and Brian because, like, that's who I think of as the Avatar people. Right. It it, But it didn't say Avatar creators. Yeah. And see, that just didn't click I feel for like me. Mike and Brian are on the comics right now. I think that's where they're... Or they're like doing other things. I don't remember. I feel like I heard something about them recently. I'm gonna Google 2016 released a new novel. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So here's a thing I'm noticing on Wikipedia right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that Aaron Ahas was the head writer and director of the influ- influential series Avatar: The Last Airbender, and a longtime writer and story editor for Futurama. Those are two shows that I love with my entire heart. <laughs> Michael DiMartino, before Avatar, worked for 12 years helping to direct King of the Hill and Family Guy, two shows I don't like. (laughs) (laughs) And I think maybe some dots are getting connected right now. Uh (laughs) So yeah, I'm I'm willing to like do Newbie and then Dragon Prince and New Ruby as it comes out. Okay. I know that Dragon Prince is going to drop all at once, but... You know. Yeah, we'll we'll just do it week by week anyway. We'll do. Demartino is writing turf wars right now. I don't know what Ryan's up to, but Demartino is writing turf wars. I thought Contra was writing turf wars. <laughs> that was stupid. What? <laughs> oh, I was thinking of the video game franchise Contra. I was like, that's not it. Does she mean the Nicaraguan communists from the eighties? No. Perhaps the Vampire Weekend album. No? (laughs) Fucking cut that. That's stupid. (laughs) No, that's good. That was good shit. (laughs) That was quality jokes. From what I can tell, Brian Konitzko, it looks like he just, like, shows up at Comic-Cons and has, like, some things going on, but not, like, Mm. any high-profile projects. I gotcha. So yeah, now that I know the actual creative team behind Dragon Prince, I'm excited about that show in a way that I haven't been. Yeah, um, it's 3D, but with like animated to look like 2D. Yeah, I have really liked the look from the trailer I saw. Or Which... I didn't even see the trailer. I just like, like I saw it, but I didn't watch it. Like I didn't turn on mm-hmm. the audio, so I didn't really know what was going on. I just saw some like animation i was like oh this looks really nice that's the same style that the new star wars show is gonna get that new star wars show looks great we should maybe watch that we new should star probably wars show. watch that new star wars show 
You mean this podcast where we talk like 40% of the time about Legend of Korra and probably like 39% of the time about Star Wars? We should probably watch I know Star what we Wars. can call that season of our podcast. <laughs> we can c- me. call it hashtag resistance, but we spell out the word hashtag. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to... I'm gonna have to go in and like edit all the episode titles so that they say White Lotus episode twenty three once we start doing other shows. Here's the deal. I was doing that and you stopped and I didn't I, I didn't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I didn't realize that it would be an issue, so I just like whatever. And I d- Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Well and I think you uh I you know, I won't cast aspersions because I'm probably wrong. Because I thought maybe you were writing like episode four no they're white lotus radio number okay well well i, I will I, I, edit those i appreciate that it um clearly shows you when Allie started editing <laughs> <laughs> i like that i titled one of those episodes just dr mario <laughs> yeah you did that we have such long titles sometimes we're like fucking fallout boy songs i do appreciate a screenshot of a custom um a screenshot of a custom mug printed on a custom t-shirt. Is why a vowel? Sometimes. I'm going to say it's not there. Okay, what? I got it. What? I got an episode title. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know if anyone will laugh at it but me, but I will find it well, deeply Well, then tell funny. me what it is. Do you even listen to Fallout Boy? Because otherwise, yeah, this joke is like... Uh, I have listened to Fallout Boy. Have you ever heard the story... You know the song Thanks for the Memories, their best song? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know how it doesn't have any vowels uh-huh. in the title? I was going to do that with, um, like, this show is Fallout Boy or something. Okay. <laughs> um, honestly, like, I'm way more into Elder Scroll Boys. <laughs> God. Fucking end this. <laughs> Fallout 3 was my favorite Bethesda game, um, other than Morrowind, of course. I'm the Morrowind person, but um, in general, the Fallout series doesn't do anything for me except for Fallout 3, uh, which I know probably someone will listen to this show and be like, fucking New Vegas, asshole. I thought for a long time that New Vegas took place in Texas. Honey. <laughs> listen, it's the cowboy <laughs> one, right? It's the cowboy one. <laughs> I don't mean it's in Texas. It's in Nevada where Vegas is at. You know they got cowboys outside Texas, no, right? No, shut up. We are the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> also, it could be a new Vegas somewhere else. <laughs> I guess you're right. New York is not New York. You're correct there. Nor is it in Amsterdam. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So anyway, uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of White Lotus Radio, unless you have something else to say, Allie? I can't think of any goofs, and I don't have anything to say about Legend of Korra, so yeah. Awesome. Uh, I will just say that Kuvira when, is metal bending as its own style. Instead oh, that of just, fucking owns. Instead of just being earth bending, and it looks like a little bit like air bending. Yeah, um, another thing we complained about in the last episode was that, like, Korra has really, the television show, has really lost touch with the, like, real-world martial arts roots mm-hmm. of um, La- Last Airbender, and you can see that poking back through again. You can see, 
in Kuvira stuff, maybe she's going to really like demonstrate like some martial arts stuff because that was cool as hell. Yeah, it really was. And it was fluid and in a way it, that earthbending isn't. Right. It's interesting how she only metal bended. Um, at one point they throw that rock at her and I expected her to like bend the rock away, but she put metal in the rock and bent the metal. Right. And I thought that was very interesting how she's not going to switch styles. She only uses the pure metal, you see. If somebody wants to yell at you about your Fallout opinions, um, where can they send that? Um, they can send that to at neither Nora on Twitter. Uh, I'm, as of next week, we are holding auditions for a new co-host and editor for White Lotus Radio. If you want to tweet New Vegas opinions, you can do uh, at bombsfall on Twitter because... <laughs> One time he tweeted for a fucking month about New Vegas, and I'll tell you one thing I didn't care about at the end of that. <laughs> okay, I have to admit, for a second, what I thought you had said was, at head falls off. <laughs> you can also tweet at head falls off all your fucking New Vegas opinions. I was like, yeah. I was losing it because I had the idea of... Like, people tweeting Jackson about Fallout? <laughs> God! I'm sorry, Jackson, but that... <laughs> Is that, like, too mean? Like... <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember what Jackson's actual feelings about... No idea. Are. No idea. Haven't the foggiest. I just, like, the idea that we would, like, cross over in any way with... <laughs> with that, like part of twitter <laughs> yes if you if you want to tweet at me i had a thing in my throat if you want to tweet at me about anything other than video games <laughs> shut the fuck up Nora. <laughs> if you want to tweet about tweet at me about anything other than video games which i do not like anymore i have renounced my title and i am now a fake gamer girl damn um you can tweet at me at Allison underscore coffee. There you will also find a pin tweet with my other podcasts that do happen. You will also find my Patreon. If you want to support this show, you can do so in part by supporting my Patreon. There's another way you can do it too. You can also donate to my Patreon, which is cooler and better. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Just because I've never posted on my Patreon doesn't mean my Patreon's bad. <laughs> I need to make sure that all of my patrons actually have the rewards they get. I, I, I just told my patrons that there are no rewards. You are only helping to pay for two podcasts getting hosted. I have, like, all of my games are on there if you are the second tier. Follow me on Twitter at NeitherNora. Uh, I'm on other podcasts like uh, Lost Library, where I'm on the Grayscale campaign, and Pot of Lore, where I talk about video games and mythology. I have a new one, a new podcast coming up soon-ish. We're living dangerously now, Nora. I um, got tired, and so I just grabbed my mic out of the stand, and I'm just holding Damn. it near my face. Do be like that. Uh, my back just is not feeling the best today. Let's wrap it up so that Allie can rest, and Nora can also go. Oh, no, Nora has to go do things, so Nora can't sleep yet. That sounds like a Nora-like solution. <laughs> um, next episode, we're talking about the coronation and the calling. Oh, yeah, there's a shithead prince in these two episodes. I hate him. Mako is not terrible in this episode. 
Yeah, Mako making a turnaround by not being a total piece of shit. Oh, also, Asami is definitely all the way in love with Korra and is waiting for her to realize it. <laughs> in true lesbian fashion. Right. Korra just has no idea that this girl is in love with her. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Um, make sure to keep it flamio. Keep it flamio. I didn't mean that as the sign off, but okay, bye. Oh, I was doing like a jet set radio thing. You can keep going if you want, or we can stop. I was going to do like Flamio to the tune of Gundamu. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just because you're listening to the Great Gundam Project, you get to hear the best OP ever. <laughs> Visually, it's fine. Like, you're not missing much by like not watching that intro, but that song fucking slaps. Yeah, it's okay. I also started listening to, uh, or I started watching Yu Yu Hawk show. Um, that's another show we could talk about, I guess. Is, um, is it? Uh, we'll see. There's 112 episodes of Yu Yu Hakusho. I like the first 10 so far, but there's 112 of them. The- Yu Yu Hakusho has a really good song, though. It's a really good song. I remember hearing the the name, but it was, like, before my time. I remember, like, watching, like, four episodes of it on Toonami and really liking it, but not knowing what was going on. In my head, like, Yu Yu Hakusho and Verona Kenshin and Inuyasha were the anime that were on before I was into anime. Yes. It was those three. <laughs> yeah. Exactly those three. Uh-huh. Because I think Yu Yu Hakusho either started airing in America in 2001 or 2003. So I was either five or seven. My first anime was Death Note. So that I'm, really tracks. I'm I'm of that spe- very specific generation of anime watcher who started with Death Note, Gurren Lagann, and Code Geass in that order. Hey, does does Death Note get bad at a certain point? It gets a little mediocre. Okay, because I've heard other people say it gets bad, and I was waiting for the Nora actually likes the rest of Death Note drop. I spent like. 15 minutes on a call before a Monster Hearts game talking about how much I actually liked the American Death Note movie and the American Dragon Ball movie, so. You also explained that to me the other day. <laughs> oh, damn. Did I? <laughs> yeah. Shit. Was that on this podcast? It was on this podcast. I didn't make it into the podcast because it like came okay. like halfway through our plugs, and I was like, I don't want to stretch our plugs on for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we can stretch an outro for 20 minutes. We can't stretch the plugs. I actually like a lot of American adaptations of anime, which is to say that I like Dragon Ball, Death Note, mm-hmm. and Speed Racer. Speed Racer fucking owns. That's no longer a controversial opinion. People th- people still act like it is. It's not. I don't know who that, those people are. That movie's been great since like 2005? Eight. Eight. Yeah, that's right. No, like when it came out, like critics fucking hated that movie and no one saw it. Yeah, well, it was a it was a Wachowski movie, so big fucking shock. Right, critics hated it and no one went and saw it, and so like for a while, people were like, I think rightfully evangelizing for it and being like, hey, people should see this movie. It's like got a bad reputation, but there's a lot here, and uh, that time has passed. Everybody can lay down your swords. But it's a really fucking good movie. I was trying to think of another American adaptation of an anime, and I certainly can't think of any. Mm. Uh, Garfield? Damn, that's a good one. Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
honestly trying to think of another American adaptation of an anime that isn't fucking Ghost in the Shell. I imagine Ghost in the Shell's bad. I haven't seen it, but I have a good guess. Yeah, it's probably real bad. Cloud Atlas only feels like an anime. I read that book, and I don't really like that book, and I'm really curious how it turns out as a movie with yellow face in it. I know how they put the yellow face into that book. I'm very curious how that movie turns out. I know it's got a bunch of, like, yellow face I in really it. I really liked that movie. Yeah. I hear it's very good. I also just know that there's, like, some questionable choices. <laughs> yep. Um, Wachowski movies, usually pretty good. Maybe not the most sensitive in the realm of race. Yeah, for sure. I for feel sure. like that's kind of come up a couple times. Yeah. Does that come up with Sense8? I haven't seen Sense8, but I kind of remember yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. And The Matrix. <laughs> yeah. You you don't think having the black woman fortune teller uh, is a great... Uh, mm. I, hadn't, I hadn't even thought about The Matrix and race before, but it, like as soon as I did, I was like, huh, the Oracle is a choice they made. And also the old Asian man. Oh, yeah, the old Haitian man. Yeah. So, also, there's those two white guys with dreads. Oh, God. I think. I think that's true. Oh, God. No, you're right. You're <laughs> right. Uh, we probably already ended the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll stop recording. Okay, I'm going to stop recording.